When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello, everybody, and welcome along to the Liverpool Echo's Blood Red podcast. We are live on our Liverpool Echo LFC Facebook channel and the Blood Red YouTube channel, answering your questions in this special Q&A edition of the show during the international break. Yes, we're giving you guys the chance to put any questions you want to our brilliant panel as ever. And today... I'm Patrick Smith and I'm joined by Ian Doyle. Welcome along, Doyle. Looking forward to answering some more questions. I'm also intrigued as you just said today you're Patrick Smith. What are you on other days? Oh, well, I've got many, many names, Doyle, that I you know, can't reveal on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got Theo Squires. Theo, welcome along, live from Echo Towers, I see. Yeah, I think, I think Echo Wi-Fi is being as reliable as ever there. We'll come to Rich next. Rich, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not too bad, mate. Um, I've got a new theory as to why Liverpool should spend £120 million on Jude Bellingham, after all, that I'd like to bring to the table. Well, we'll definitely, definitely get around to Jude Bellingham because he's a very popular topic for the comments, isn't he? Well, let's get stuck straight into it then shall we Doyle we'll start with you then we've got a comment from YouTube from a Mr Toby Larone I think that's a joke name because his pictures of a Toby Larone a very creative name for him there uh, his question is how detrimental will not qualify for the Champions League be on Liverpool's aspirations to strengthen this summer in relation to quality of player and money to spend it seems much too reactionary to think players are going to see one bad season after five amazing ones and Liverpool lose its appeal what's your take on that Doyle I will give you two clubs. Manchester United, the Old Trafford side, and Chelsea, the Stamford Bridge outfits. Now, Chelsea are not going to qualify for the Champions League this year, almost certainly, uh, unless they actually go out and win it, which does seem unlikely given the calibre of the other teams that they're about to face, um, certainly with the draw to the final. Now, that hasn't stopped them persuading players, even if they've spent an awful lot of money, but they've managed to persuade some top players to join them since January onwards, when it's looked like they're not going to go to the Champions League. And also, if you Manchester United, they signed quite a lot of players last summer um, under the new manager. They were not in the Champions League. And since then, they're almost certainly going to be in the Champions League next year. They won the League Cup. They'll probably win the Europa League. And the reality is they've got a very good chance of winning the FA Cup as well. So they'll complete a cup treble that they've had in 2001. It'll be interesting to see whether their fans regard it as not a real treble, like their fans did in 2001. We'll soon see about that. Um, but what that's an example of is two teams who weren't guaranteed Champions League football, one of them who didn't even have it, still managing to attract big names. Now, everybody listening to this will go, yes, Mr Doyle, but they both spent trillions of pounds. And the fact of the matter is they did. Chelsea obviously did it by giving players 29-year contracts or whatever it was. I think it was eight years, actually, for a couple of players. So they kind of navigated their way around certain restrictions. And Liverpool's restriction is obviously the amount of money they've got to spend, which comes back to the other part of that question from Mr. Tobe, Toby Lerone. Mr. Toby Lerone. Toby Lerone, yeah. 
It could have become Milk E-Way or any other kind of variation on that. I'm sure Theo and Rich can have a think about that while I'm continuing this answer. Um, is I've also forgotten what the second part of it was. What was it? Uh, I've been put off now. Um, so do you think that Liverpool, you know, oh, the, the money, the money, yeah. will, will the money, affect the them being able to spend? Yeah. The amount of money they got to spend, well, that will impact it because they will get a, a more budget by being in the Champions League. And that's unfortunately a reality. Now, what we don't know is whether Liverpool will have any outside investment before then. The Fenway Sports Group, speaking to uh, you know John Henry, spoke to Dave Powell from uh, Echo Towers, our, our brother in arm. Uh, he, uh, he spoke to him the other week. And he, it was an interesting little quote where he said that um, we've identified potential sources of investment. Now, I, I almost think not enough has been made of that because what that's basically saying is, yeah, we've got some people now lined up. We just have to decide which one which one we should be looking at. And I think that's something that could be sorted before the summer, but we don't know for sure. So there's a lot of variables at play. So the answer to the question, Champions League qualification is going to impact them, but probably not in terms of attracting players, because as has been said, one bad season in five isn't going to make that much difference, or at least it shouldn't. And Klopp said that himself. He said, look, if players don't want to come here because they're not guaranteed Champions League football, don't want them here. Because most clubs are not guaranteed Champions League football anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm pretty sure, you know, Arsenal last year, they haven't been in for a few years. Now they've got a very good chance of winning the league, which, you know, as I've said, many a time they should disband now if they don't win the Premier League now, but they'll certainly be in the Champions League next year. So that shows you how quickly things can change positively and again Arsenal they're another team they managed to attract good yeah. players and got a good... so it, it, it further underlines that yeah Champions League is great and gives you more money probably gives you more chance of attracting a certain level of certain type of player I should say but it shouldn't stop you as a leading club with already good players and a great manager from signing, signing other good players and yeah. you know we'll get on to Jude Bellingham in a bit he's what 19 he's got loads of time left in his career if he knows that he's somebody who can make a difference, can take Liverpool back to the level they were at the next, the last few years, as you say, then I don't think Liverpool being the top four is going to affect him too much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's the thing there, the combination of being one of the world's biggest clubs and having one of the best managers in the world. You're always going to have the pull, no matter what, aren't they? Um, Theo, welcome along. You now join us. I think the Wi-Fi is up and working, isn't it, in Echo Towers? Firstly, how are you doing? And then yeah. secondly is... <laughs> Are you still struggling? We'll come to you anyway. Um, I mean, just on Doyle's point there, people will counteract that by saying, oh, well, you know, if Liverpool say they don't have as much money for not being in the Champions League this year, do they not have that budget left over from the years they've not spent over the past, you know, couple of transfer windows? Because it's not been as big a spend as some fans would like, has it been? I only caught half of that. <laughs> I might have to rejoin. Okay, well, we'll come to I'll, Rich jump, on that one. I'll yeah. jump in there, oh, I'll jump in there and say that... Um... Yeah, that is something that is a consideration. But do, there's also the kind of two things. One, the coronavirus pandemic which affected all clubs. Well, the second thing is, yeah, Liverpool may well have just been saving for this summer already. You know, because they didn't sign Germany last year, did they? Which they would obviously have the funds for. They decided not to sign any other midfielder. They signed Darwin Nunes. Well, they were going to have to sign a forward anyway because Manny was leaving. So I personally think that there probably is the, the funds there to facilitate certainly at least one big midfield sign possible they'll need more than one uh, it'll just be interesting to see how much they actually have uh and whether or not the players that they want actually want to come yeah i mean it's gonna be a really difficult one it's already a pretty difficult situation trying to convince jude Bellingham now but if they're not in the top four it could be 
a very, very tricky one. Um, Rich, we'll come to you next then. We've got a question here from Matthew Fullard. We'll stay with that top four topic. Matthew Fullard from our Facebook. Uh, top four chances. Do you think Liverpool need to take three points from each game against Man City? And he's put Spurs, I presume he means Chelsea, and Arsenal to have any chance. One draw against any, and we're playing Thursday night football at best. Now, do you agree with that one, or do you think he's being a bit reactionary there? Um, no, I, I don't think he's being reactionary. Actually, we had this the other week, didn't we? And I, I basically work on the on the theory that you need to be averaging two points a game to qualify for Champions League football. So, um, what does that leave us? So, they need to win at least two of them, and they could they could lose one. Um, so. So I've done some quick maths and that is six points. <laughs> okay, so as, as long as they win two of those games, it doesn't matter if they lose another. And, I, you know, down to Jurgen Klopp, whether he looks at that the same way as I do, but that may mean that he can afford to be uh, a bit more adventurous in certain matches, depending on how he chooses to approach them. But um, if they can win at least two of them, I think that's okay. Yeah, I mean, Theo, what's your take on that? Do you think you know, Liverpool need to be unbeaten for the remainder of the season to get in the top four? Or do you think the teams around them will slip up as well? Uh, it would certainly help if they're unbeaten, wouldn't it? That, that would pretty much uh, grab it in the bag. Um, it's a difficult one to assess because this season's been a bit crazy with the World Cup falling in the middle and you can go from thrashing United 7-0 one week to losing 1-0 to Bournemouth the next. And I think we saw the Premier League fixtures last week when Liverpool weren't playing how... Like Wolves getting battered 4-2, was it at home to Leeds, having dismantled Liverpool and Spurs in the weeks before. It's just such an inconsistent season. There's no constant sides of getting these points, these points, these points. You can't really rely on everything. Liverpool just need to go about the business and get as many points as they can. Hope it's enough come the end of the season. It's also a situation where you've probably got more faith in them into this massive week of fixtures playing against City, Chelsea and Arsenal because this season they've been better against those big six sides. It's then when they follow them up against the Bournemouth, the Forest, the Leeds, where they've fallen apart. Like Liverpool could take seven points from those three games and then go and lose to, is it Leeds and Forest and the next two, yeah. they might have another relegation side in there before they play Spurs. They just need to find a bit of consistency and reach that level. I know uh, I think Doyley did a piece earlier in the week where I'm comparing it to 2020-21 where they were unbeaten from the, the final 10 games of the season. They won eight, drew two. That's the sort of level that puts it in their own hands. Like Looking at the sides in the mix at the moment, say like Brighton, for example, they're going to get distracted being in the, the FA Cup semi-finals. You'd imagine Brentford won't have the depth to go all the way and it will come down to the big six, seven sides with Newcastle in there as well, with Chelsea maybe a little bit too far away. But you're still relying on Liverpool to get back to the standards that they've shown in the past where they can go on those consistent runs of form. And every time when we thought they've turned a corner in the past, um, there's been... Right, right back at bottom the next week with a disappointing defeat. These three games, it's huge. They need to get the points and then they need to go on this sort of run. But then they then need to follow it up with those sorts of performances against the lesser sides as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Yeah, I think the thing is, well, you know, there are obviously so many more problems in 2021 when they made they finished third place, didn't they? Not even fourth. But I think it's a similar challenge this time of a different level with the, you know, the calibre of opposition they've got to face immediately after the break. But we've seen them do it so many times before, haven't we? It really wouldn't be that much of a surprise to see them do it again, as you mentioned there, Theo. And hopefully they can get a little run going there. Um, Dolly, just to round off our top four conversations, then we've got a pretty re- relatively easy question, I think, to answer for you from P Young 97 said, is it true that Man United can knock Liverpool out of the Champions League even if they finish fourth? Is what chocolate are you named after, by the way? I can't quite work it out. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, it's true, but it's not going to happen, let's be honest. United are going to finish in the top three. United would have to finish outside the top four and win the Europa League, and I think they will win the Europa League, and they won't finish, finish outside the top four. Then Liverpool would have to finish fourth. So yeah. if United are dropping out of the top four, I think there's a very good chance Liverpool could be finishing third at this, that rate if things have gone that wrong. So, yeah, it's a possibility, but then... So is my hair growing back, and that's not right. <laughs> well, it was a very easy question, Dylan. I'll give you another one then that maybe you can elaborate on a bit further from um, WJ Dowd98 on our YouTube channel again. Uh, we've seen Liverpool using the 4 2 3 1 or the 4 4 2 at times of late against Bournemouth and Real Madrid. Is there a case for using this for the end of the season with more attackers now available? Also, can Luis Diaz play after the international break? Well, he can play. Whether or not he will, I don't know. Depends how fit he is. Um, he will be at some point. Uh, I think Liverpool are hoping that he'll play in the... Uh, sorry, hoping he'll start full training on Monday. I think it is when they come back. Certainly come back at the start of next week. While the players are not involved in international football, he is one of them. Uh, in terms of the formation, I don't think it's got anything to do with the attackers. I think it's to do with what midfielders are available. Now, I know Bashketic is out for the season. Um I think everybody else is more or less... Oh, Thiago's not back either. And I think they do need to get him back pretty quick. Uh, I think he's somebody that they're going to need. He was somebody who was very integral during the final weeks of that 2020-21 season. In, in a way, it's a little bit similar. The fact he was out for a while, he came back with a little bit of a point to prove. I think he's got less of a point to prove now. I know, again, me and Rich had a slight disagreement earlier this year about Thiago, which I think he kind of, I, I kind of won you around in the end in there, Rich, on Thiago. I, I, have no, I am a Thiago fan. There's, there's a bit of a, you know... I wouldn't want things to be taken out of context. But <laughs> that's that's a podcast taken out of context. <laughs> it could happen. Um, <laughs> you know, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to fall over a Toblerone with you, I. But basically, I just think he—he's a great footballer and can control um, possession of the ball. But when you're out of possession and when you need runners, he's not your man. So it's. But if you—if you've got a shortage of top quality midfielders you've got a bit of a problem and and he would be in my first choice midfield uh with with what they've got available so going, going back to the question i think it will depend on which players are available and in form depending on how they want to set out i mean i personally think the only reason he played four two four or whatever it was 43 one against real madrid because no one else left to play in midfield Milner and fabinho the world's slowest midfield you yeah. know so I, I mean, ideally, they wouldn't have done that, but they didn't have any other choice. You'd like to think that Henderson could be back. I know he didn't play for England yesterday. Uh, he's not been training properly. Uh, I mean, they, they do still have others, but, you know, Kate has fallen out of favour um, <clears throat> after after his poor performance in the first half of Crystal Palace. Interesting that Oxley chamberlain got on at Real Madrid. I wonder whether he's going to get a chance. So, so yeah, I do think that... Uh, there will need to be a bit of variation in tactics. There has been this season. I wrote a story earlier this week saying 
Liverpool have had 20, have played 40 games this season and they've had 23 different attacking lineups. In 23 out of 40. Yeah. 23 really? Thanks, yeah. thanks for reading my stuff, Pat. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's also in terms of the, the actual personnel, not just the tactics, obviously, as well. But that's not even talking about the, uh, the midfield where there's been chopping and changing. So it's no wonder Liverpool aren't scoring the amount of goals that they have done in the past. Although, what was interesting is from my very, very thorough research of just checking who played now with his goals, um, Gakpo on the left, sorry, Nunes on the left, Gakpo down the middle, and Salah on the right is probably the most, I can't remember, I think that is the most profitable one. Although they did, they scored 12 goals in five games together, but six of them came against Man United. And after that, it was Diaz on the left, Firmino down the middle, and Salah on the right. We started at the start of the season. So, you know, that Firmino, Diaz, what was it? Yeah, yeah. But, it, but even, and... even allowing for that, they were still scoring more than a goal a game between themselves. So that's what you need from your forward line. So I think that uh, obviously there's that, that kind of underlines the massive change that's happened up front because they've moved away from one that was doing quite well, partly through injuries, partly through signing other players and it's it integrated them to this other one. And uh, still Diaz to come back, so it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. And that might prompt some kind of... It will give Liverpool some scope for changing things around, even if it isn't necessarily going 4-2-3-1, 4-4-2, whatever, but subtle changes that perhaps they've not been able to do for too long in this season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly interesting, so, isn't it? 23 different variations in 40 matches of attack. I mean, that, you know, that's crazy to me. I mean, I think it does point maybe to using the 4-4-2 for the running of the season with Diaz back. Obviously, Jota was injured for most of the season. Firmino's just come back as well. Lack of numbers in the field. I think it you know, may well be the way forward. I've liked it at times. Um, midfield's you know, been terrible, as we've spoken about many, many times. We won't talk about that again on this podcast. But yeah, certainly an interesting one. Um, Rich, we'll come to you next then. Uh, you mentioned Thiago, so I'll ask you a question that includes him. Um, it comes from Chris Malta, 98. Uh, what do you think about our future plans with Matip and Thiago, considering they're approaching the last year of the contract? Do you think we should sell them, give them a new contract, or, is, or there's a possibility we might lose them for free? Clearly, considering the fact that we are self-sustainable with no cash injected by the owners, it makes zero sense to lose such players without getting anything for them. What's your take on that one, Rich? Um, well, let's start with Thiago since we were already talking about him. I think it was pointed out to me in the office that given his age and his injury record, you probably wouldn't get that much money for him, not compared to some other players in the team. You could move on if you were trying to raise funds to, to bring in other players. So it's a tricky one early, isn't it? But probably, probably, I'd have, I'd have to say I'd, I'd keep him. If nothing else, because I'm not sure what will be coming in. So, and you don't want to lose good players, obviously. And and he's one of the better midfielders. So, although I certainly don't see him as uh, a long-term part of uh, Klopp 2.0, it's um, certainly worth keeping him sticking around the place for a, a little while longer, I think. And and I suppose if you do that, the reality is he will eventually go on a free transfer, won't he? And then mm-hmm. and and that'll be that. But. Um, yeah, I, I would stick with him. Matip's a funny one, isn't it? Because um, one week, Canate's Van Dyke's partner. The next week, it's Matip. The next, it's Gomez. Everyone thinks they've got the answer. It's true that you're only as good as your last game. But unfortunately, um, 
not too many of these um, centre-backs playing the supporting role have been able to pull too many together in a consistent run that says, yes, you are definitely Virgil van Dijk's partner. Obviously, there was money invested in Canate, um, had a few injury problems himself, but you, you would probably look at him and say, yeah, he's going to partner Virgil van Dijk going forward until, until van Dijk's uh, run his course, which who knows how long that will be given the um, bad injuries sustained in the middle of his Liverpool career. So you've got a, a problem there with Matip. Don't forget, we've got Matip on a free anyway. So it's not like you're losing any money that you invested on him. Um, I, I think you've got to be a little bit ruthless, I think, now at this point. So if if another centre-back is available that um, Klopp thinks can improve the side and you can get him and it's not going to interfere with budget for other areas of the pitch, then, yeah, why not go for it? Yeah, I mean, Theo, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we saw Liverpool sell Mane when he entered the last 12 months of his contract to try and, you know, make a little bit of money off, you know, losing him. Would you be inclined to do the same with Thiago Matip yourself? I mean, you know, do you try and cash in for whatever little you get for them with 12 months left on the contract? Or do you risk it running out? Um, if you can cash in on Matip, I reckon they should. Uh, when We've seen it for different stages of this team now. When they've got players who are ageing, we'll keep Henderson and let Wijnaldum go on a free. We'll keep Salah and let Mane and Firmino move on. You're keeping Van Dijk. You don't want two ageing centre-backs in there. Van Dijk can be the elder statesman and Matip's the one you move on. Uh, he, he was superb last year. It was the best year of his Liverpool career. But then the injuries have come back this season and he, he's just not been the same player when he has played. He's looked very shaky. And it does feel right to move on if there is a, a suitable uh, option for him there. Like the club comes in, puts in a bit of money, let him go with the blessing realistically, you want him to be your fourth-choice Liverpool centre-back as it stands, because Canate and Gomez are that much younger. You want them to be playing better than him and being in form and having that starting place. So he's the one you can plan for a future without. And when you're picking your strongest Liverpool team on form and fitness at the moment, he isn't in it. But Thiago, he is still in that strongest Liverpool eleven. So I could see him. He'll see out his contract. He's either going to go on a free or it'll get like an extension for a year or two. Like, you know, do the sort of Henderson Milner thing where we'll get a bit more out of him, relegate him to more of a squad role where he's still with this experienced head in the squad, and then he can be phased out. But he is a quality player. We've seen what he brings to the squad on and off the pitch. He, he is someone who's worth keeping around. Matip less so. I mean, just to quickly add to that, um, Theo and Thiago, you know, you said quickly phase him out. Would you offer him another contract extension or would you look to, you know, phase him out by the end of 2024? Depends who they sign this summer. Like if you go and sign Jude Bellingham, Mason Mount, and then one other quality option, realistically, he's not in your starting midfield, then you'd probably have to take a pay cut to get an extension, and that's what he wants to do. Like he could easily want to go back to Spain, finish his career in his homeland, or if he's just happy being part of it. Like It's a bit different with the elder players when it's Henderson or Milner, because they've been at Liverpool for a long time. It's a club they know well, longest stints of their career by far, and they're in their home country. Tiago, there is that possibility that he'd want to go back to Spain. But then he, he might want to try Italy because isn't he a part Italian? He's got a, some rich footballing heritage in his blood, doesn't he? So um, you wouldn't begrudge him a move if he does want to move on. But then if he's settled in Liverpool, we're happy to let him get an extension and see it out. It's up to him what he wants to do because he will have options wherever he goes, um, even if he has to go to, I don't know, an MLS or a Saudi Arabia or somewhere mental like that. He is always going to have players, um, clubs who want to buy him because he is a world-class footballer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't know about um, Thiago's little Italian he's got in him. He's a Brazilian and Spanish, isn't he? And he's 
a player who's very much suited to playing in Italy, so that wouldn't be a surprise to any of us, would it? Very much suited to his game. Um, Dolly, we'll stay with the midfield. Then we've got a question here from Metz Matu on our YouTube channel. Uh, why still keep Artemelo when we cannot use him? You know, Dolly, you're someone who's probably watched him the most out of anyone in the world this year from the games you've seen him playing for the 23s. Why keep Artemelo here if he can't play for Liverpool? Is a simple question. Because he's under contract and he's on a loan, a season-long loan. Next question. Yeah, that's not a difficult one. That one. Yeah, you know, that's not. I'll keep you any rubbish questions, Tony. I'll give you a better one now. He paid. He paid three, three. What was it? Three point eight million, three point nine million loan fee. So yeah, may as well just keep him there and use him if you can. He was on the bench uh, against Bournemouth because he wasn't yeah. in the Champions League squad. So could be on you the bench. Also, point out the end of March. It's like, if you're going to get rid of him at some point, gone, you do so. it exactly. in January. Exactly. What's the point? Yeah. It's just probably a sale and return, that uh, three and a half million, isn't it? You're not getting that back if you don't use him, I suppose. Uh, and I think even if they wanted to, I'm not sure Juve would be that Who, who asked that question? Well. Who asked that question? <laughs> uh, it was Metz Matu on our YouTube make, channel. Make sure, hopefully he's listening. Make sure, he, make sure by the end he's got another question because I feel as though he deserves another question. <laughs> another go. Okay, okay go on um, Anyway, Dolly, I'll ask you a better question now then. Let's, uh, let's go for this one. Um, from Michael Mabena on our YouTube again. Um, can Trent Alexander-Arnold play the De Bruyne role for Liverpool? <laughs> Aside from wanting to keep him at right-back, what is the reason not to? I think... <laughs> well, again, I think it's because they want to keep him at right-back, I'll be honest. Um, this I mean, is another one he, where you can do it as a one-word, can't you? He's yeah, right exactly. Back. He, he, no. could, he could play there, but Liverpool have got so many other players. You know, I mean, the way Liverpool play, they don't have that kind of player. Do they? they don't play with the De Bruyne. They've got three forwards. Man City don't really yeah. have forwards as such. I mean, they've got attacking players, but they don't want you. I know they've, okay, apart from Haaland, but they don't tend to play Haaland and uh, Alvarez, do they? Together. Not very often, anyway, I don't think. So, um, so yeah, I do think that. Uh, no, I think the interesting thing about Trent is when people say, why don't they try him in defensive midfield? Well, the one thing people are saying is critical, overly critical, I think, of Trent is that of his defensive nous, his positioning and stuff like that, and sense in danger. Well, why would you then put him in defensive midfield where there's even more danger coming here than everywhere? So, yeah. at least if he's right back, it's only that side of the pitch. If you're in defensive midfield, it tends to be, it can be all over the pitch, can't it? Or certainly central areas, which is, you know, why it's such a difficult position to play in. So, I don't really see much sense in that. I know there's a lot of call of moving Trent into midfield but probably the initial thing would be putting further down the wing if yeah. Salah has some games where he's not playing try that see what happens but then you'd really need a defensive right back behind him we've got Joe Gomez I mean this is just talking hypothetical because in my view that's never going to happen no. so no I think with Trent I think people have you know I actually think Trent, people have and I wrote this there's been a massive overreaction to Trent he's a right back he plays in a very specific way right back in a team that has a specific, very specific, which is easy for you to say, uh, way of playing. Uh, and unfortunately, this season, Liverpool have had so many players missing, they've not been able to play that way. And that's kind of, not so much exposed Trent, but certainly made it more difficult for Trent to play his natural game. That's it. I think, yeah, the thing as well with that, like, you know, you'd have to recruit midfielders anyway at Liverpool. If you did move Trent into midfield, you'd then have to recruit some quality right backs. And exactly, just not yeah. Exactly. So you it's know, just, it's, it's yeah. being sensible about it. You know, it's not, it's not like football manager where you can just, at least a championship manager then show me age uh it's not like football manager where you can you can just go oh well we need to sign this player this player for this player you know it's that's not real and i think to be fair i think most fans realize that as well they're not soft yeah, they just absolutely. get a bit frustrated they get a bit frustrated sometimes that's fine 
Don't we all? With everything. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Especially Liverpool this season. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Uh, Rich, I saw you. Oh, God, sorry. Jump in, Rich. <laughs> no, I was just going to say, I, I said the other way, I'm... I'm quite, you know, curious to see how Trent would do in midfield. And um, it's just a case of when it's a good time to be able to take a proper look at that, which I suppose isn't in the running to uh, chasing down a Champions League spot that you, you've basically not occupied all season. So probably not a good time to do that. And the very fact that we haven't got a natural sort of proper right back to replace him uh, with, with Calvin Ramsey injured and, uh, and the other options more, Probably more stopgap than than like for like with Trent. So I, I don't know. It's it's one of them. Will he will, will there be an opportunity at the end of the season or pre season to have a look at that? Um, I'd like to see it, but um, it, the manager doesn't seem particularly uh, enthused about going down that route, does he? No. Yeah, Klopp said himself that he's the best right back in the world. He's a world class right back. Why would you play him in midfield? I think when Southgate played him, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's Andorra or someone like that. So it was a completely yeah. pathetic exercise and it was given up after 45 minutes. But it's like, if you're going to play him in midfield, um, Klopp's response was play him as the number six. And they didn't do that. And obviously the shouts for him to go in midfield this year have been louder because he's not been great defensively. But neither have the centre-backs next to him, the left-back next to them, the holding midfielder in front of him, the two number eights in front of him and then the front three. He's just an easy scapegoat the way he has been throughout his whole Liverpool career but he doesn't have the trophies this year or the assists to quite defend him. Uh, we weren't having this conversation under such scrutiny when he was holding aloft the, the Champions League or the Premier League and when Southgate couldn't leave him out of an England squad. It's just it's a silly conversation. It's always been so over the top. When Liverpool get back to their best, it, Trent will be crucial to that. It'll be central that, but he'll still be doing it from right back. Absolutely. I mean, you know, watching the sign of a couple of midfielders and Trent will all of a sudden return to being one of the best right backs in the world, if not the best right back in the world. I'm 99% certain of that. Sorry, Rich, go on. <laughs> I was just, I'm sure Cafu probably fancied to go in midfield as well, but that never really happened, did it? So. <laughs> well, just going back now then, Rich, I know you love Dolly's shout of champ manager. Your next question is a bit on tactics here. It's from a Shyam C on our YouTube channel. Um, still relevant to fullbacks as well. Considering the fact that assists from our fullbacks have dried up as they no longer stay higher up, which is partly due to lack of legs from midfield. Should we have to make some tactical tweaks to play one of the midfielders to play in an advanced eight, which will reduce the burden on the fullbacks? So basically he's asking, should we tweak the tactics midfield to help the fullbacks out? In very complicated words. I'm very glad I didn't get asked that question. Can I, can I, can I have the Toblerone question, please? <laughs> <laughs> or the Alpha Milo one? Um... Well, if I had the answer to that, and, and you know, if Jurgen Klopp was looking at things exactly the same way or, or had the answer, Liverpool probably wouldn't be in the current uh, predicament they are, I don't not, don't think. But it's difficult. And it, you've got players that play in a certain way. And he loves playing the same formation. And when he tweaks the formation, I don't think overall it's truly worked uh, or he's reverted back to his tried and trusted formula fairly quickly, which you can't blame him for. Um it's because that's worked so well for him for such a long time. Um what whether that sort of change would come to fruition or not, I don't know. But it what what it wouldn't harm was to have a bit more of a uh, defined plan B. Um so that if if things aren't working in one particular way, have they got the players and, and have they got the the strategy to be able to switch things around and, and 
and try something entirely different. And if that means a more um, a more advanced midfield player, then then all the power to it. What what I have been a little bit critical of is uh, a lack of assists from midfield. And I called this out a bit earlier in the season, and it was it was pointed out to me that most of Liverpool's assists normally come from the fullbacks anyway, or created by the forwards. So why should you be overly or overly concerned? about uh, a lack of assists from midfield well if they're not coming from the other areas then it then it, it becomes highlighted a bit more doesn't it and uh, regardless of whether you change the the way that you play it certainly like to see midfielders chipping in where uh, with a few more assists and, and goals to be fair and um, just to take that burden off the players because we we've been spoiled for a long time with with uh trent and robbo in those wide areas and obviously salah Mane and Firmino up front, uh, but we're, you know we're, we're in a new era now, and people probably need to chip in from all over the park, and just sort of highlights the uh, problem they've had in midfield. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because we've spoken about how when they fix the midfield, that'll help the fullbacks out. But I mean, what exactly do they need in midfield to fix that problem? I mean, it's a good question when you break it down like that, I suppose. Um, Theo, let's ask you one then. My Facebook, a top fan in Tony King. Uh, he says, everyone talks about buying new centre midfielders, but who would you buy to partner or replace Van Dijk? I think partner Van Dijk is probably the question there. Who should Liverpool be looking at at centre-half? That's a difficult question because it depends what they're going to do uh, in midfield to how much kitty they have left over. Like If we're talking to partner Van Dijk, like the big money one that everyone talks about is Cavardio, but he plays on the same side, doesn't he? So you're not going to have Cavardio coming in to partner Virgil van Dijk, you'd be as Would an alternative. Would you not Van Dijk to the right-hand side and you know, no. play both on their natural foot? Van Dijk is a left-sided centre-back. He might be right-footed, but that is his position. Like if he's been, Yeah, he'd be good enough to do it, but if that is his role, it would just make it even more complicated, changing it up all over again. Uh, it, I think Klopp said in a press conference a few weeks ago, if not a couple of months ago, that it's difficult for Liverpool to know what they're going to do until they know who's moving on. Like They could bring in four players, but they need to know who's moving on first. They need to look at the full picture before they can decide centre back wise and good young centre backs out there. Like they're being linked with Indicia, one in Germany, is it? Evan Indicia, yeah, plays for Frankfurt. Yeah, that's the one. Out, out contract in the summer. That's the sort of player you can maybe see them going for because it's a bit more cut price. He's a bit younger and he can sort of go in as a, this backup centre back and then progress forward and get more of a starting role once he gets a bit older and Van Dyke gets a bit older. But that you can't see him going and spending. 100 mil or whatever it would take to get Cavadio when you want to spend that much on the midfield, if not one player in midfield, two or three players in midfield. Uh, they've got other priorities at the moment. and You'd imagine this new centre-back will be a bit further down the, uh, the pecking order of priorities at the moment. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, I mean, it really is an interesting one. I mean, Dolly, if you want to just round us off with your take on, you know, the centre-midfield and the centre-half situation. I mean, how would you like Liverpool to spend their money in the summer? You know, do you think they should go all guns blazing for Jude Belling and maybe risk not getting a centre-half in? I mean, we've got a comment here saying um, from Frederick Lind on our YouTube channel, if extra funds was needed to get Jude, Mount and one midfield and the centre-half, would you accept a massive bid for Alisson to get there? Kelleher has been excellent. I mean, is there a case where Liverpool maybe have to sell a player they don't want to necessarily sell to bring in a midfielder and a centre-half they need? I got asked a question on the Q&A on our website yesterday about do you think Alisson's going to leave because essentially the inference was that the rubbish and I just said look at the massive surprise and then it got taken out of context and then I woke up this morning and then there was like 
a million different, you know, people saying what you're talking about. It's like, well, I got asked a question. As I'm being asked a question now, uh, I wouldn't know. No point in cashing out and What's the point? They're more likely to sell Keller, to be honest. He probably needs to go to get some. Uh, he probably needs to get uh, some some minutes in somewhere else. He's what has he only played three times for Liverpool since the League Cup final when he yeah. when he won it. So I do think that's it's what he's to move on. Oh, sorry. You said yesterday. Yes, it is what I said yesterday. Correct. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I think. Funny enough, in 24 hours, I've changed my mind. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> who knew? Who knew that was going to happen? Eh? Uh, in terms of actually signing players, going back to something that was touched on before, I think Matter will get sold. Um, it's time for him to go. I think he's still, you'll get a little bit of money for him, but not loads. Gomez is going to get sold. They just gave him a new contract last year. And although he's had some ups and downs, he can play right back, which will help. So he's just to jump versatile. in there, Dordie, let's say they do sell Matip and maybe, you know, Nat Phillips also probably is desperate yeah. for a move away. I mean, do you, would you sign two centre-halves then or no. one? No, just the one, because you've then got Reese Williams. And, the, and Billy Camessio and you just give a chance to another youngster because wasn't Nat Phillips somebody who they gave a chance to? So, Gerald Clancy playing well as well. Yeah, oh, sorry? Gerald yeah, Clancy playing well. And Seth Vandenberg as well. So, yeah. you know, you forgot about him. And he's somebody who's probably got more experience than all of them put together. So, uh, yeah, there's enough there. So, I don't see that being an issue. Uh, in terms of the midfield, yeah, they're going to need two, three. Probably Bellingham, you know, would they obviously want to sign him? You know, there's the mounts are an interesting shout that no one's knocking that one down. And then there'll be someone else. I mean, uh, there's the the lad at Wolves, Nunes. I mean, it depends on how much they're willing to go with on Bellingham and how much money they've got, because they'll know quite well. I think they'll, they're the four positions that they'll look to sign this summer, as well as possibly a reserve goalkeeper. But then, you, as as Theo's pick pointed or kind of suggested. If you if you can pick up a central a, a young central uh, defender for nothing, and you can also pick up possibly an experienced goalkeeper for nothing, then you're doing okay because you're getting an awful lot off the wage bill over the you know in the summer with Cater, Oxley, Chamberlain, Firmino, you know all the others going. Matip would probably be one as I've said. So I think there's enough scope for Liverpool to do something. And the interesting thing is that for most of those players we've mentioned, even if Liverpool aren't in the Champions League. It's still a step up for them. So that's yeah. the kind of player that Liverpool want. They want someone who regards Liverpool as being a step up and someone where they can challenge themselves. Going back to what was said about Thiago about 10, 15 minutes ago, he's somebody who's probably he wanted to try his luck in a different league. I think he's done all right. I wouldn't sell him in the summer. Just let him run out his contract. He's somebody who's, was he 32 now? He's 32 in April, isn't he, I think? So, Turning 32, yeah. Yeah, so he's somebody who knows quite well this is probably the last big club he's going to play for. So... I think that uh, you'll be quite happy with that as well. And, and, and if you've got different people, kind of forget that it's not just about the actual performance on the pitch, it's about what happens in training and being around the training pitch. And if you've got someone like Tiago there, you know, and you've got youngsters coming through, like, there's Tiago, he's done absolutely everything. You know, unfortunately, Liverpool are in a position now where they've got players like Allison, like Trent, like Henderson, who've done that at Liverpool, but Tiago's done it elsewhere. Yeah. So he'll, he'll be somebody they can look up to, which is why there's certain players who left. Who perhaps didn't play as much like Lalana and thinking Lovren as well, who are big influences around the place. And Milner's going to be one if he goes as well, because he's somebody who's got a massive influence. You speak to Harvey Elliott, he mentions Milner, you speak to Bakhetic, he's someone, you know, Milner's somebody who's, who's, who tries to help him. You speak to the other, you know, he's in the leadership group, isn't he? He's been there for the entire time, he's been vice captain. There's a reason why he's the vice captain, there's a reason Jordan Henderson's the captain. Klopp's not soft, he knows what he's doing. 
you know, he's, he's, he's managed great players and he understands the importance of the influence of these kind of, of kind of people around the place, not just on the pitch. So that's something that'll be interesting going forward because Liverpool can't just get rid of all the old players straight off, but they want to bring in the kind of newer players who've got a point to prove. And that's what they had with with the likes of, even the likes of Mane, he wasn't particularly old. Salah, he had a point to prove coming back to the Premier League. I think they go back to Wijnaldum, Robertson, Shakira, or something, they were all relegated. So they're, it's a step up for them. And it's also, they've got something to, to, to aim for. So Bellingham would have, you know, step up for him. Sorry to Dortmund, but it is. Uh, Newman is definitely a step up. Even Mason Mount, he'd going from plastic flags to real flags. So it would be good. It would be good for us. I feel a bit bad about that one. That was a bit cheap, but you know, quite, I'm, I, no, I'm happy with that. Happy with that. Yeah. yeah, there's our clip for the social channel story. Absolutely love that one there. At the end to don't round do off. that. Do not do that. It's bad enough other people doing it. Don't you do it? Thank you. Oh, Chelsea fans are angry enough as it is anyway. Yeah. Aren't they? <laughs> well, they're no, crashing it's, the live it's, stream. It's, it's, it's people kicking a ball of air about. So let's just let's, come on. Oh, let's let's, let's, let's end the live stream before the hole gets dug any deeper, Dolly, shall we? <laughs> yeah. ah, I'm going to give you the spade. I'm just going to keep on going. I'll come out the other side, you see. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm going to pull the plug on it anyway. Huge thank you, though, for joining me. As ever, Ian Doyle, an interesting and exciting Q&A as ever. Theo Squires and Rich Garnett as well joining us today. And thank as well to all of you for watching along, be it on Facebook or YouTube or listening along on podcasts. Make sure, though, to subscribe to us on the Blood Red channel, be it on your podcast format or on YouTube, because we'll bring you loads of content over the weekend from the Liverpool Legends game against Celtic. Hopefully some exclusive interviews from our very own Theo Squires. We never know. But for now, this has been the Blood Red Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us and we'll catch you again soon. You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.